Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to air your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that, unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. It is politics done right. Welcome to Politics Done Right from the studios of KPFT 90.1 FM, Houston, your community radio station. We have a great program for you today. All right, folks, it finally happened. I got COVID-19 after staying away from it for about two and a half years. After being in D.C. for nine months, being very protective in the way I dealt with masking, etc. I came back to Texas. I was a bit more laxed in Texas because, again, for two vaccines, for boosters, etc. Uh, but I tell you what, because I had all my vaccines, the initial worst reaction was probably how you felt when you had the flu. But for me, it only lasted one day, which was yesterday. I was still able to perform fine. I did my show. I did everything. Um, but again, please take your vaccines. Please take your boosters. It's not, for me at least, it hasn't been bad as, as it could have been absent the vaccine. So let's let's continue to do it. Bree says, oh, damn, it's COVID. Ashley didn't get it. Everybody in the house, neither Linda nor Ashley has it. They did their test this morning right after I did my test. And this is my test, folks. Oh, look at that. Look at, whoops, let's see if I can get it on the screen. Uh, uh, well, it's not coming out as it should, but came out positive. I knew it, though. I honestly knew it. Yvette Avery Harris said, oh, no, that COVID is still making rounds, sending prayers of healing and relief. Yes, I don't, look, I just feel like I got a cold, man. You know, yesterday I had the body aches and the fever. One day, that only lasted one day. Today's fine. Michael says, Egberto, mind putting this Gallup poll up on the screen as it found the largest generational gap I've seen in a long time. Of course, Michael, if you want that on the screen, we'll put that on the screen. Let's see what it shows. Pride in being American by gender. I don't know that I like those kinds of polls, but I'm putting it up because you request. Here is the poll. Um, because I'm, I'm going to tell you what, what I mean by what I'm just going to say. It shows that very proud to be is only 43% for male, 34% for female. And, you know, it goes down. Not at all. Yeah. And then age difference, the age difference between 18 and 34, only 25% of are extremely 23%, meaning less than 50% are really care to be American. But here's what I say to this, right? America is a country that we control, that we are supposed to control. And even though these polls ask questions like, how proud are you to be an American? I am not proud of what America is doing, or Supreme Court and these other things that are occurring here. But for all of you that are listening right now, we are, in fact, uh, Americans. And it is our responsibility as Americans. 
to take control of our America and make sure that America represents all the things many like to claim about America that is yet to be realized. Unless you're planning on moving to some other utopia, unless you're planning on moving, we are, in fact, Americans. We are, in fact, still somewhat of a democracy. We can become a full democracy if we decide to engage, if we decide to follow the tenets of something that I've been writing on my, on my websites for, for eons, political engagement should be a requirement for citizenship. So I hope with that, Brother Rudnan, that we look at it in that regards. I saw that you had a mirror, etc., 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 so anyhow, I, I, I fulfilled your request. I want to address Eric Hayes. I love Eric. Eric is a good man, but Eric is wrong here. Eric is, is, is given the implication that I constantly want to ignore a bond issue that is getting people that are getting people killed. That's not true at all. First of all, it's not the bond issues that's getting people killed. It's the gun issue that's getting people killed. Let me tell you how I address the, what happens on the right. Eric listens to a lot of stuff that's put out by the right. And what they like to do is they like to control the conversation. In other words, we have issues like inflation. We have issues like women's rights, the rights of trans gays, the rights of people of color, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. We have all these things that, that, that are people that are aggrieved right now, but to, so that we cannot speak about those issues what the right generally does is it, it throws a lot of alternative issues into the space. And when they throw these issues into the space, it prevents you, you, you hold on to their issues and you just talk about that. Let, let me give an example. Eric says, bond issues getting people killed, 170 killed in Houston. Okay, that's bad. 170 people were killed by people out on bond. Is that good? That's terrible. But over 2,000 are going to die because of lack of health care. So which causes more death? The bond issue or the criminals in Austin who refuse to give Medicaid ex expansion to these people who are going to die? And that is where you have to be as somebody who you guys have entrusted to be a provider of truth news, etc. I can't allow those who are influencing Eric, who are making Eric, in, and Eric is an, a smart guy, but they're making him willfully ignorant. I can't allow those who are controlling the narrative for him to control the narrative in the entire space, because we have issues that are much larger than bond issues. 170 people that are dead because of the bond issues are terrible. I feel for those people's families. I feel for those people. But I also feel more intensity for the thousands that are going to die because of Republican policy, because of conservative policy. All the women that are going to get killed because of their ruling from the Supreme Court. All the people that are going to die because of the lack of insurance. All the kids that are going to put at arm's will because we refuse to pass good laws that give people care, uh, uh, um, 
care for kids when the parents are working, family leave. All these are issues that hurt a lot more people than the 170 people who died at the hands of criminals. The guns that are on the streets in Houston right now. Anybody can get a gun in Houston that's over 18 years old, right? Anybody can get a gun. And you want me to be concerned about what the judges are doing by following the laws that were created out of Austin, Texas, Republican driven. So therefore, it is simple. I will not allow. I get, this, this show belongs to all of you. But if any one individual attempts to change the narrative to a false narrative, it is my responsibility to screen it. And that's what I do. Mr. Hayes, that's what I do. I need to address Mike Cisak because Mike Cisak has no, con no concern in either outright lying or allowing the right wing to snow him. No other country in the world has the death violence that we have by gun, by assault weapons, bar none. No other country on this planet, not even countries in the Middle East, have the violence against innocent people like we have in the United States. Mike Cisak says, in every single state and country outside the U.S. that has strict or outright bans, have higher violent crimes than states in the U.S. that have lower restrictions on guns. That is one of the most, and I, I try to be nice, but that is one of the most asinine statements even within the United States. If you take a look at where more suicides occur, they occur in red states because of the amount of guns that they have. If you take a look at the violence by, by where guns are allowed, it is, it is worse than anywhere else to come out here. And, and the reason I'm addressing this right here, right now is because I have no interest in having a misinformed, an ill-informed, a disinformed population. Mike Cisak can choose if he wants. I love you, Mike. You can choose to put your head in the sand. You can choose to be uh, willfully ignorant if you want to, but please don't do that to our audience. Don't try or attempt to put that crap into our audience's minds because you are simply absolutely wrong. And what you have just said is a simple lie. Nothing more, nothing less. Continuing. Paul Fleming from Mike Cisek as well. The problem with the all laws banning things, you end up with more criminals causing violent crime to spike happened in Brazil and Venezuela where guns were banned or tightly regulated. Another lie. That's my part of the world. Guns have been in, in guns have been placed in there by American manufacturers, Brazilian manufacturers and all of that trying to make a dollar. You put more guns out there and you get more crimes with guns. It goes without saying. It's it's not when I say goes without saying, it's what we have already proven. So please stop lying to our audience, please. But he says, not sure about that, Mike. We are the only country that have issues and we don't have tight regulations. Thank you very much. Uh, very intelligent commentary, Breach MCP. Breach says, Mike, because gun shows, et cetera, no regulations, New York doesn't have these issues and has strict laws. I have heard this argument before and it's not true. They lie. Uh, they lie completely. And you know, what happened is, 
My, uh, CSEC, I don't know where he gets his information from. Michael Rudnan says, citation, on gun violence, United States is an outlier. Among 64 high-income countries and territories, United States stands out of its high level of gun violence. There you go. There you go. Uh, if you want, let me see if, if it's something that I can put on the screen for. Here it is for, uh, for, for those who decide to look. Here is where, look, look at where the United States stands, okay? I don't know what you're talking about, Mr. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, CSAC. Again, try to get valid information. Rudnan, Rud, it didn't take Rudnan a hell of a lot of time to show that what you're saying was patently wrong, patently false, misleading, and outrightly dangerous, if not criminally immoral. What you said there, CSEC, criminally immoral because you're passing on information that would let people believe otherwise and not vote their interest to take these criminally, insanely produced guns off of our markets. It's a killer. It's a killer. Thank you, Rednan, for finding that information in real time. You are a jewel, sir. I want to put this back up on the screen. Rednan, uh, and it was deeper than what he said, than, than what I showed. Here's a, here's a disparity. There, there are the rates of killings for Mr. CSAC, who came here as well with bad information. There it is. There is a disparity of the United States. The closest killings uh, comes is Chile. And it's less than half of what we have. And then Canada, which goes even orders of magnitude below. So thank you, Rudnan, for putting that out there. That was very, very good for you to find for us. Thank you so kindly. Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney did what she needed to do. But here she has a message for the Trump sycophants. I want you to listen to this and then we'll take it on the other side. I want to thank the witnesses for being here today. Uh, after today, I suspect that uh, there will be some who label you agents of the deep state or something else conspiratorial or nonsensical uh, meant to justify ignoring what you've said today, uh, ignoring the facts. That may be uh, the short-term cost of acting honorably and telling the truth, but your actions should have an important long-term impact. It will help keep us on the course set by the framers of our Constitution. Let me paraphrase the words of John Adams and others. Whether ours shall continue to be a government of laws and not of men is ultimately for the American people to decide. And let me also today make a broader statement to millions of Americans who put their trust in Donald Trump. In these hearings so far, you've heard from more than a dozen Republicans who've told you what actually happened in the weeks before January 6th. You will hear from more in the hearings to come. Several of them served Donald Trump and his administration, others in his campaign. Others have been conservative Republicans for their entire careers. It can be difficult to accept that President Trump abused your trust that he deceived you. Many will invent excuses to ignore that fact. But that is a fact. I wish it weren't true, but it is. One hopes that as these proceedings go on, that most sycophants, I'm talking about those Trump supporters that continually uh, think Trump somehow is there for them, 
one hopes that in the long run, they'll see the light. After all, the most conservative representative in the Congress is telling them, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry it's hard for you to get it. But it is true. You can listen and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L. I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, the only resort to right-wing doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to make America utopia, take away the economy from those who rigged it for a pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The Contributions from my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org, choose Politics Done Right for the program, and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. Welcome to the next edition of A Better Human Story with Dr. Andy Schmuckler. Dr. Andy Schmuckler. Again, I I always like to give a, a little intro of him. He was a former Democratic candidate for Congress in Virginia's very red Shenandoah Valley, former talk show host, uh, summa cum laude graduate of Harvard University, PhD awarded with distinction in a program specially created to accommodate his original theory explaining how civilization has developed and a frequent columnist in newspapers around the United States of America. I'm honored to be continuing our series, A Better Human Story, with El Señor Dr. Andy Schmuckler. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Well, let, look, me, just, let me just warn you that there's a possibility that a thunderstorm will come through again, like last week when we when we had to finish the show the next day when the power went out. But I don't I think, think it's going to happen. I think both of us, for, for all practical purposes, are sort of like humanists. I don't know if you are, but I am. Yeah, I'd say. Okay. But um, what the hell are you doing, Doc, to infuriate the beings to, to knock you off the air, sir? Well, I have a pretty secular view of things for the most part. So I, 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 I'm not I'm not thinking that this is Zeus hurling thunderbolts. OK, good. Well, then I feel safer. Then I feel like the lightning that hits you won't come through to the screen and somehow get to me. I feel better. Anyhow, let's get busy. I want to talk to you today about uh, and, and this is the title that you gave it. You know, as, as usual, we're 
we're, we're kind of following a part of your website call, and I am at least, a better human story, but you're bringing up a whole lot of side issues from other sites that, that you've written as well. And this one is on the reality of value and the moral confusion that has weakened liberal America. What the hell does that mean? Well, I don't know if you've been exposed uh, to what I've been exposed to uh, living in America for the last, well, I guess I guess I would have started absorbing it sometime in the 60s or something when I you know, went to college in 1963. Um, it wasn't something I got at home, but there's a an intellectual current that I've encountered in liberal America in the last 20 years when I've been putting out my uh, my discussions of the battle between good and evil uh, that says that questions of value are not meaningful. Uh, issues of right and wrong, good and evil, they're, uh, they're just matters of opinion. You know, the, the cosmos doesn't say anything about what's better and what's worse. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it, it comes out of a, of a, uh, a philosophical train that grew out of uh, um, a sort of a scientific view of the world in which only that which is objective is real. Mm-hmm. But it's true uh, that the cosmos itself doesn't seem to deliver uh, judgments of value. But the thing that's wrong with that, there are two two things that should be said. One is that the only place that value could possibly matter is in the realm of the subjective experience of creatures for whom there are some something that is better and something that is worse. I mean, if the, if the cosmos was completely lifeless, if there was nothing around that registered in its experience better and worse, then value wouldn't exist. And according to the scientific image of things, that's how things were, let's say, on this planet for a very long time, this Mm -hmm. fiery ball that uh, came together around the same time as the sun formed and the other planets. There wasn't any better and worse. But the thing that that is lost. I don't know if you know the concept of reductionism. It's yeah. usually when something says, "Oh, this is nothing but that," and and the ultimate nothing but is you know like atoms, mass, matter, and energy. But the thing is, there are realities that are emergent. The concept of emergence. You know, you have a lifeless planet. Eventually, start things start to happen three and a half billion years ago. Some people think it may have been as long ago as four billion. Out of lifeless, out of the lifeless planet, there emerges life. And we know that at least eventually, out of life, there emerges creatures who register some things are better and some things are worse. Evolution creates creatures like us to experience value because the selection for what survives includes selecting for creatures that will be motivated to do what is necessary for them to serve their 
pattern of life to survive into the future. So first, life emerges out of lifeless, and then value emerges out of the lack of value. And we are, we are oriented to do and what was conducive to the survival of our ancestors. The things that felt that, that the things that feel good to us are connected evolutionarily to what was conducive to their survival. And the only place where value can register is in our experience. And to say that value is unreal makes no more sense than to say pain is not real. Now, I've had, I, I, I taught, uh, I've taught a few times in my so-called career uh, at the college level and with bright high school students. And I have run into a, like a, a, a student saying something like, what I'd say, well, you know, he'd say, well, value is just a matter of opinion. And I'd say, well, are you saying that, are you not prepared to say that what the Nazis did at Auschwitz was wrong? And the, the answer I got that I, that's stuck with me for now nearly 50 years, but I've had other students say similar things. Well, what the Auschwitz, what the Nazis did at Auschwitz isn't what I would have done, but it seemed right to them. And so it was right for them. You had a student that said that. Yeah. And, and more recently, like 20 years ago, I've had students who in some kinds of discussions would show that they were Bible believing who would say, well, good and evil aren't real. Better and worse aren't real. Right and wrong aren't real. They're just matters of opinion. How they put it together in their head that they believe in the Bible and they don't think there's any such thing as better and worse or right and wrong. I don't know. But it's in the culture. And back in the uh, in the 90s, when I was trying to counteract Rush Limbaugh, wherever I could get onto a radio show, I had my own. You also had your own radio show, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here in this in the conservative Shenandoah Valley. And right. We've talked about that some and I'm happy to talk about it more. And it was a very rich experience, but I had a not a regular gig, but, a, a, you know, a, the, a show on Wisconsin public radio. Where I would appear as a guest and I would frame the question for to be to be discussed. And the question I framed on this particular occasion had to do with. Uh, judgment. And it was a call in show with a very liberal audience. And it was very telling. You know, I would talk about judgment, the importance of having a judgment about, you know, what's good and what's not good. And the only thing they seemed to be willing to accept as a judgment was it's not good to be judgmental. So I believe that all that connects with what we've seen. Uh, of the Democratic Party in the last 30 years, when I at least saw a very dark, destructive thing rising on the right. 
and would try to call people's attention to it. And the attitude in liberal America was, well, you know, they've got their opinions. We've got our opinions. I want to There's stop no- you right there. I want to stop okay. you right there because it's so important. I, I, I want to see if I'm, I'm following your direction. Because what we spoke about was the reality of value. And I think what you've just shown is that, uh, you know, when when your student told you values are neither wrong or right or there or the other. Or even real. Or not real. You point, you try to give him an example where something actually causes damage. And therefore, shouldn't you say that isn't a good value? And he was hesitant. The, the, am I correct? Am I am I getting it? Correct? Yeah. You know, like like the fact that the, the Nazi would disagree with you. Right. According to this perspective, that ended the matter. There was no objective basis for deciding whether what the, the mass extermination of men, women and was children good or bad. was OK or not OK. And if I disagreed is- with you. You know, there's no way of arguing. And uh, that's where I'm trying to draw draw the line to liberalism now, because if I if I am starting to get to what you are, you may be inferring is that because we give liberals, progressives give this option of expanded thinking where we, we where we are very tolerant, supposedly and otherwise, that we open the door for that kind of what you call moral confusion. Yeah. And it's also called moral relativism in this. Context. So let's, let's go but, with that because I, what I, I wanted to do is connect what you're, you know, I mean, uh, it, sometimes it's not very easy to connect the concepts. And, yeah, I understand. I understand. Right. It's, it's a lot of work. And I mean, and, I've been working for a long time to put a lot of pieces. Together. Right. But what I'm saying is I listening to you now, it, it it's, Believe it or not, you just opened the door. And let me tell you the door that you opened, because, I mean, I, I had the I I understood it implicitly, but I think you opened it explicitly. And what I mean, you gave that long discussion on values and, and right or wrong, et cetera. And we as progressives have a tendency to say live and let live. And we don't give the we don't give values the notion that it should have. In that there are, in fact, certain values that are, yes, we believe in inalienable rights, et cetera, but there are values. There are values that uh, one has to look at as good human values and bad human values. And I think in, I, I, and I, I'm going to ask you to continue because I think you're heading to the direction where uh, we sometimes have some sort of a moral relativism or confusion, as you would say. Please continue. Yeah. I- let me just say that it's not as though what's right and wrong is is a no brainer. Uh, it's not like these that we have a lot of judgments that are difficult to make. Right. Um, but but the point is that there is a criterion mm-hmm. built into us, built into the living systems. And it, basically, I, I think w- we can say that what is good is what's life serving mm-hmm. what's good is what leads to the fulfillment and not the misery of sentient beings and there are a lot of difficult choices to be made along the way 
but there are criteria. And, and the, the, the important thing is to establish there is a, the reality of values, even though they are founded, not even though they are founded in subjective experience, because that's the only place they could exist. But if you don't believe that values are real, what can happen is you can have a force of fascism, which is based on injustice, it's based on the tyranny of the few, it's based on lying to manipulate the many, et cetera, et cetera. You can have a force like that rising in power, as has been happening for the last 30 years and is now full blown in front of us. You can have that and you can have the people on the liberal side who have imbibed some morally confused notions about about the whole question of value, not recognize what it is that's rising and how it needs to be fought against. And the way to fight against evil is on the terms of good versus evil. Right. That we, it, and we still have some difficulty with that. And I'm, I'm working right now using my limited political con- connections. I would like for the campaign from now until November and beyond to have good liberal voices fighting this fight against the fascism that's trying to take over the country in terms that map directly onto the issue of good versus evil, which is really what it is. Absolutely. So I, I, I get it. And I mean, I, I think you made that so much clearer as far as what has, I think what you actually say is our, our actual, our philosophical approach has actually weakened liberal America. So how we always talk about problems and then, how do we turn those problems? How do we get the solution to those problems? I think you've been good at explaining how progressives, how liberals have allowed their relativism of values to take them off path. How do we get to people to solve that? I, I still think in a lot of ways, doctor, you make my point about neoliberalism. But uh, we're not going to go there. I, 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 every time you, every time you come out with a new concept, you know, uh, you come, you come out with this concept in in this Harvard type manner, and I come out with this concept of this taking the work of the scientist and as an engineer, I break down the work of a scientist for the common man. That's how I see it. Well, I, I mean, you. Uh, let me I have a couple of voices in my head uh, to 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 back up your the, the the dichotomy you like to make between neoliberals and and uh, I, I don't think neoliberals really means what you mean, but moderate uh, Democrats. OK, let's call it moderate, although I don't yeah. call I used to call you a moderate Democrat. OK, I don't yeah. anymore. I consider you a progressive Democrat. Well, I, I, I think that we really should be operating. I mean. Take a look at them in the present drama. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz Cheney's role. Yes. She's not a moderate Democrat. But she's I love a, her. She's a far right conservative. Yes. But on the fundamental question of democracy versus fascism. She is there. 
Yes. She's all, yeah. So we're operating on a, on a different level. Right. But, but I'll, I'll, I'll consider two different voices. Last night I heard AOC. Uh, I mean, I'm very concerned about what's happened to the U S Supreme court. Right. Um, and I believe that it has to be cons- understood in the same framework as the inf- as a coup d'etat that Trump uh, attempted. Please and continue, this- Doc. I want to hear your point of view here. Yeah. I really want to hear what you got to say. Yeah, yeah. And, and the same framework as the all these Republican state legislatures passing these voter disenfranchising. It's all part of the same attempt of a fascist power to uh, overthrow American democracy. Right. And replace it with an authoritarian regime in which uh, a minority can rule contrary to the will of the of the of the people that are uh, founders mm-hmm. uh, attempted to put into the Constitution as the ultimate arbiters of the country's direction. So um, in that context and to connect it with what you were um, talking about, the moderate Democrats or neoliberals, you know, we, uh, we won't worry about the title. AOC is obviously on the progressive side. Right. I mean, the, the Republicans recognize that she's over there. Though on this issue, she's with Jay, with uh, Lynn Cheney. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, so she's she. I, I like the way she put it that the uh, that the American system is predicated on the idea of checks and balances. Right. The legislature passes the laws. The uh, the, the executive, executive enforces uh, enforces the laws. And the judiciary interprets the laws. She, she didn't go through uh, that stuff. But, you know, I, that's me uh, amplifying right. the checks and balances. And she says that this court is acting in an unconstitutional manner. True. Because the court is. Is usurping the powers of the legislature and the executive. I like that because. but. My own way of, and it's quite compatible with what she was saying, my own way of talking about it is fascism always turns the law into an instrument of the tyrannical ruling power. Right. And that's what they're doing. And we were both right. But I I liked her way of doing it because it it provides a political means of saying this power has to we can't just accept however they got onto the court. What they are doing is unconstitutional. Now, interestingly, today we covered that on my show. We covered actually it's not only uh, Ocasio-Cortez that called it a coup, uh, a, a coup by the court, but Naomi Klein. I know you know who Naomi Klein is. I do. Uh, shock doctrine, Naomi Klein. She also claimed that it was a coup. And, you know, uh, several years ago, I wrote an article talk, talking about uh, because the Republican policies do not appeal to the vast majority of Americans, that there will have to be instituted some form of legalized minority rule. And uh, it's amazing how we can tie all of this together because I pointed out how. The, the judiciary was going to be used 
as the instrument for minority rule, which is exactly what you're saying when you say that the fascist uses the law as the bludgeon. Well, let, let me just make one, one point apropos of that. And I, I, sure. I, read, some, I read something about the, you know, uh, uh, Roe v. Wade, you know, a big majority didn't want it overturned, you know, et cetera, right. et cetera. The big majority. Let me just say that that that's true. And it's 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 it should be noted. But it's not as though. We want the court to necessarily and uh, uh uh, put their finger to the wind and ask, what does the majority want? When when the court overturned uh, Plessy versus Ferguson, which said segregation is OK. You're going to make a good point. Yeah, yes. The the, the 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 majority of at least the south, southern region uh, of the United States, at least the people who are then uh, able to vote, <laughs> uh, were not in favor of uh, of that. And you so, may, you the, know, uh, Doc, the, the you, issue is the issue is the rule of law. And when the court hands down an opinion on Thursday of last week on guns, mm-hmm. which says, oh, no, let's let's uh, we can't let the states uh, say anything about the guns. Right. And then the next day they overturn. Roe v. Wade and say, we're going to hand it back to the states. There is no rule of law. They are coming to certain conclusions for reasons of the fact that that six person majority on the court, maybe it's five if you take away John Roberts or at least half of them. Mm -hmm. They are basically an extension of the. They're part of the same uh, partisan interest, uh, the Republican Party. They're an extension of the fascist power the Republican Party has become. And I need that's to add the a, issue. I want to add a corollary to what you just said, though, because you're right. First of all, during in Plessy, we definitely didn't want the court to follow the will of the people. But what we, we did define in this country is when the Constitution was written, even though I have very large issues with the Constitution, I never thought it was really a democratic govern, a, a piece of document. But that's above and beyond that. It did have a great piece in there called the Bill of Rights. And in having the Bill of Rights, the purpose of the Bill of Rights is to, was to prevent, again, the tyranny of the majority. And the court right. was there to ensure that the tyr- there wouldn't be a tyranny of the majority by enforcing the Bill of, by the bill of Rights. And the bill, I don't, to, to be honest, I don't even think the Bill of Rights, except for the 13th Amendment, which went ahead and said the three-fifth clause was pretty much made no sense. And slavery was right. forever banned. I, yeah. I think technically speaking, that's the only thing you really needed. But, you know, everything else was to be explicit, to be explicit, to be explicit, because the document was vague enough to tolerate, you know. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting history about the Bill of Rights, because the, the framers of the Constitution thought, well, we don't need uh, that. Uh, it's all understood. Mm-hmm. But but in order to get it ratified, they they made it, a lot of things explicit. Right. And, and, and with, res, with respect to uh, Roe v. Wade and the, this Alito decision, this horrendous um, theocratic, fascistic, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, somewhat vicious. I mean, you could overturn Roe v. Wade in a variety of ways. Uh, Alito. Alito gave away the game. Yes, he with, did with with the way he did it. But but the the and and the game was 
Um, I think to disregard the Establishment Clause in the First Amendment, which says basically, as, as I interpret it, and which I think is consistent with what the courts have done in my lifetime with mm-hmm. it, the, that when it comes to religious differences, the government is not going to you know, everybody gets to live according to their own religious beliefs. Right. So if you don't want to, if you think that abortion is murder, you are entitled to that belief and entitled to uh, live according to that belief. And it is, but if other people have a different belief about when uh, a zygote uh, before it's before born becomes entitled to uh, being endowed with their creator with all those rights, you are also entitled to make your decisions according to your religious beliefs. That's how I would have interpreted Roe v. Wade. I mean, that's I mean, that's not how the court decided it. But Alito just said, even though this opinion is supported by uh, only 10 percent or 5 percent uh, of the people, not even making exceptions, et cetera, et cetera, we will impose our religious beliefs on everybody. And that is a violation of the Bill of Rights, in my opinion. Oh, it, it absolutely is. And it even gets worse in that there, there are these this kind of words that they're starting to use in the Supreme Court. And I don't I'm not going to have the wording exactly right. But this stuff about saying it doesn't follow the past history or unless it follows oh. the past history, uh, you know, that's as, not if, the as, if the, as if the Second Amendment's past history, exactly. when in Dodge City, people would not be able to bring their guns into town. I mean, you've seen the Westerns. Yes. You know, there you go. But, but they're inconsistent. And it's the inconsistency. Right. The lack of principle. Right. Me, that means that we don't have the rule of law anymore. So go, taking this back to two the things. subject we're talking about. Yeah. 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 The, the moderate Democrat. Uh, for by contrast with AOC is, is Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden is I, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he's a very decent guy. I think he's a decent guy, too. But he's he's not. He embodies the problems that liberals have of recognizing that there are times when what you need to do is fight evil and defeat it. And you need to bring to the battle the intensity that evil is continually bringing to the battle. Wow. Doc, Doc, you nailed it. Okay. And that is what turned you from a moderate to a temporary progressive. I don't have to be temporary. I am kidding. I'm kidding you, man. I'm kidding you. (laughs) Okay. you know, what, he, what, I, what I'm saying is I think you hit the nail on the head. In other words, you have to you have to fight based on this con- the circumstances that are brought to you. Right. And you can't. And, 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 and really where the rubber hits the road with our with our previous, you know, the entry level of the reality of value. And and we last time we talked about the reality that there are two forces at work in the world. Broadly speaking, one of which works continually to make things better and one of which everything it does has the effect of making things worse is that you need to be able to recognize that sometimes you step out of normal politics where 
bridge building, coalition building, mutual respect, working out compromises. That's the way to get the country moving forward. But when you got into the situation where you've got a force that is continually spreading a pattern of brokenness, you have to perceive it. this is the, uh, one of the embodiments of evil in the world. There is no building bridges with it. You don't sign the treaty in Munich. You don't keep on trying to appease the Republicans like Obama did through, through you know, nominating Merrick Garland because he was a moderate that they could swallow because they had said so. They could not be trusted. They were not interested in, in making the Constitution work the way it's supposed to. They were only interested in getting more power. It was a different kind of force, and it needed to be dealt with by waging war against it to defeat it. And Obama never understood it. And I think Biden is slowly coming to understand it. And I hope he can understand it in time for the midterms. I, I hope he, in this, I, you just said the magic. I'm going to read you your words. And I want to close on these words with a short explanation from you. Perhaps even more important are the ubiquitous and subtle ways that this attitude manifests itself in the secular liberal world, a huge reluctance to condemn anything on the other side, an impulse to be even handed, no matter how asymmetrical the realities of the situation and insistence that all moral positions be given respect. All these founded on a notion that everyone is entitled to their own opinion, that all moral positions should be respected because they are only our opinions. And that goes perfectly with the title of on the reality of value and the moral confusion that has weakened liberal America. Close us out with that con that concept. Well, I don't know if I'm ready to close us out, but I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it. I'll be a good boy. Um, not an evil boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we enjoy speaking so much that I don't know if you realize we're, we're, we're past, we're coming close to past our time. Oh, really? Yes, really. Oh, we've only been going for about a half an hour, ain't we? More about 35. Okay. Well, and anyway, um, you know, back in uh, 2012, uh, um, two respectable good men, um, Norm Ornstein, who uh, I don't I know, know him, if he's yeah. uh, at the uh, American Enterprise Institute, uh, but he's a, he's a kind of a liberal guy, I guess, he, though AEI. Right. I, by the way, I worked at the Center for Strategic and International Studies in Washington. You did? Uh, back at the end of the Carter years. Good the think beginning. tank. Yeah. 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 So um, back then, uh, I thought of AEI as uh, the, the, the right wing th think tank of the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but anyway, uh, along with Thomas Mann, not the guy who wrote, uh, you know, I know, I, I, I know the book that those two wrote about Republicans. So tell us a story. Yeah. So, so um, he's at Brookings Institution, yeah. which when when I was sort of uh, when I was still alive was regarded as a liberal think tank. Right. Um, when my dad was an economist and I knew about some such like that. Um, anyway, they wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post where they 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 said um, basically against one sidesism. The problem yes. is the Republicans, you know, and they characterized it what an 
outlier it was. And I thought outlier is a pretty weak word, but still, I was happy to see it. Um, and they described how they don't recognize the legitimacy of their opposition, which is a good fascist uh, uh, characteristic. Um, and, and they don't have respect for uh, science or other other forms of truth. I don't remember what the whole list was. And it came out and everybody said, oh, my, what a big deal. And and and, and people still refer how prescient they were. Well. You know, I've got my 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 desires for recognition. You know, you, you said I was a Harvard summa cum laude. So I, I had a history of being recognized uh, way back when. And I thought, what the hell? 2012, I, I had been working full time for a decade calling attention to what was already yes. visible to me. And maybe two decades if you go back to what was visible to me with the right wing propagandists. Anyway, it's frustrating to me that people are still waking up to the picture that's right in front of us, a Supreme Court that's an extension of a fascist political party and a, uh, a, a party that was an accomplice of an attempted coup d'etat to overturn an election because they would not accept defeat that was constitutionally saying, you don't have the power anymore. Come back in four years if you want to try to get it. But no, we don't accept any party's power but our own. Another good fascist. And, and likewise, disenfranchising people, all the things that this Republican Party is doing. It was visible even when W was in the presidency. It was visible in the Brooks Brothers revolt that they used to stop the, the count in Florida so that they could gain the power that the Supreme Court even then was willing to give them on a purely partisan basis. It's been visible. And liberal America kept on talking about their friends across the aisle. Who needs their friends across the aisle when they act like enemies at every turn? Brother, Dr. Andy Schmuckler. That's why I enjoy this series, because we start with a better human story. We get with today's story and we end with the human story. Thank you so kindly for continuing this series, A Better Human Story on Politics Thank Done you right. again for the opportunity to share it. Please get one of my several books out there. As I see it, Class Warfare, The Only Resort to Right-Wing Doom for a contribution of $120. It's worth it. How to talk to your right-wing relatives, friends, and neighbors for a contribution of $120. How to Make America Utopia, Take Away the Economy from Those Who Rigged It for a Pledge of $120. Get any two of those books for $200, any three of those books for $250. The contributions from my books go directly to support our station, KPFT 90.1 FM. Alternatively, folks, please get your basic KPFT-only membership for $40, a Pacifica-only membership for $25, or choose from one of our many other gifts for your contribution. Just go to kpft.org, choose Politics Done Right for the program and select an option either for our books or something else to support the station. It is definitely worth it. You can listen 
and or watch Politics Done Right Mondays through Fridays on Facebook Live at facebook.com slash politics done right or on YouTube Live at politicsdoneright.com slash YouTube. Please do not forget to follow me on Twitter for updates. My Twitter handle is at Egberto Willis, at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L. I-E-S. But don't you forget, listen to us live on air at KPFT 90.1 FM on Thursdays at noon and at Fridays at 11 a.m. all central time. Please remember to keep your community radio station in your minds. Keep KPFT on your mind. Talk about it. Tell your friends about it. Tell them you know about this station in town, 90.1 FM Houston, that needs your support. That is there to provide that nourishment that we need. KPFT 90.1 FM Houston. Well, folks, that's it for today. You know how I'm going to end this baby. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! Welcome to Politics Done Right. I am your host, Egberto Willis. This is a progressive program that will take the mystery out of politics. This is the program that will encourage you to make sure government becomes we the people. Whether you are liberal, progressive, conservative, or otherwise, you get to hear your point of view. We are an independent media outlet that unlike mainstream media beholden to corporations, we only owe allegiance to you. Remember, you can also send me a tweet at E-G-B-E-R-T-O-W-I-L-L-I-E-S. That is at Egberto Willis. Let us engage. 